0: Welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hey, everyone. Hey,
1: Quinn. Hi, Jillian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thesis is almost done. (laughs) Not really.
0: How are you? I'm fine. Continuing to not thesis. Life is trying to destroy me, but we're fine.
1: We're thriving. (laughs) It's okay. Have we ever used thriving, like, non-ironically? Probably not on the podcast. Definitely not on the podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're almost at the end of February, which is a terrifying prospect. Um, And well, it is the shortest month of the year, so I can make myself feel better with that thought. And then we're right into March, Um, aka the month I am, for the past two years, I have been horrifically ill for the entirety of. So fingers crossed, everyone, that I survive.
1: Yeah, March is objectively the worst month in the calendar. Except it is, it is National Potipus Day on March 5th. Mark the calendars. Why
0: do you know that?
1: <laughs> that was the anniversary of being my second boyfriend.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, we are starting off today with a very dismal topic. There was a school shooting in Parkland, Florida, in which 17 people were killed at a high school on February 14th. So we didn't talk about it in last week's episode because we actually recorded... Right before it happened, so we didn't know about it yet. But it's a week later, and now we are here to talk about it. So, unfortunately, this is just the latest in um, a seemingly never ceasing series of mass shootings, and in particular, school shootings that have happened um, in the past few years in the United States. Like I said, 17 people were killed, 14 people were wounded, and then the suspect- it's always interesting when people refer to as suspects in these cases, because, like, the- the person who shot them, you know, the- we know. Anyway, um, was actually recently expelled from this high school. Um, he was a very- like, there were a lot of warning signs, um, lots of disciplinary action that was taken against him, reports of him being abusive to his girlfriend. Um, He literally posted on online forums things about wanting to kill people. So this was not the most shocking turn of events ever, um, really sadly in the country today. Um, So, I mean, after this happened, people went back and looked at him, and, I mean, he was on an FBI watch list, all sorts of stuff. And it's... But... He managed to get in AR-15 and kill people. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fun fact about
1: the AR-15 is that you can actually buy one when you are 18, but you can't legally drink.
0: Yeah, in most states. So that's a really exciting feature of uh, life in America, everybody. We're not going to be talking too much about the shooting itself, um, but what we really want to focus on and what is particular to this case is the reaction to it, um, on a large scale, but specifically from the survivors, the other students, um, at Douglas High. So I guess what makes
1: this shooting stand out in particular is the fact that the students, the survivors are being very proactive about getting the news out about raising awareness for gun control laws, um, and things like that. And one person said, um, people get sad after this and don't want to take action. I totally understand that. I'm not going to let these politicians keep murdering my friends. So there is a lot of... Well, gun control has always been um, a huge debate (laughs) in politics.
0: Understatement of the century.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone can agree with the fact that it has been such a contentious issue, especially recently, um, due to these mass shootings. Um, and a lot of people want the second amendment which is the right to bear arms to be repealed and then usually the republican party is very in favor of guns most also because they may or they are pretty heavily sponsored by the nra sponsored (laughs) okay what's a better word (laughs) owned oh yeah
0: (laughs) wait i mean no sponsor gets the message across it's just funny because it it draws to mind, you know, like Olympic athletes or YouTubers or whatever that are sponsored by brands. Um, But honestly, like pretty good approximation. (laughs) (laughs) True. What's interesting about that is that the majority of Americans do support what's kind of colloquially referred to as common sense gun control in terms of, you know, stronger background checks and just making it a little more difficult to buy guns, even if they are still available that, you know, we're a little keep a better track of who has them and what they have to do to get them um and that's pretty widely supported across the board Mm -hmm. but the legislation does not get passed in congress um because something called partisanship (laughs) so i
1: guess when people get upset about gun control is when we imagine though like uh, because other countries have done this where guns are completely outlawed um and, of course, it makes sense. Like, there are going to be less gun deaths when you completely outlaw guns in a country. Um, but I think for America, I'm not sure how realistic that idea is. So I do think that having more gun control laws is pretty necessary.
0: Yeah, that's... <laughs> it's gotten to the point where other countries like the UK and Australia where they've just put, like, really strict bans on gun ownership, um are literally just like, what are you all doing? How, how does this keep happening? Like there was like one mass shooting in Australia and they were like, let's get rid of all the guns now. Like goodbye. And then, Hey, there haven't been any other mass shootings in Australia since. How about that? Um, Granted, it must be, like, particularly difficult to import guns into Australia if you were trying to do that. Because, like, how are you going to get there? How are you going to get them there?
1: Yeah, I think the huge problem with that is the fact that there are just so many suppliers. Like, like the United States is literally in between two countries that we trade with very heavily. And it's just, there, there are guns.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's obviously a huge amount of cultural factors in terms of, like, a very strong cultural love and obsession with guns in many parts of the country. And hunting, especially, like, yeah. for sport. Yes, um, which I have
1: problems with, but I do defend your right to do it if you want to.
0: I'm from a town that's really into hunting. I never have been. I mean, I literally don't even eat animals as it as it is, so I'm not that excited to go out and shoot them for myself. But it is something that um, a lot of people, like in my high school and stuff, are into. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, cultural. like just strong attachment to guns as well as cultural strong attachment to things like toxic masculinity and i mean almost every single shooter mass shooting that we see the person who perpetuated it is a man who has a history of domestic violence Mm -hmm. like almost every single time um Mm -hmm. and so that's a thing that we should deal with perhaps um and like the violence that goes on in this country um leading up to these kinds of horrible tragedies like if we could just stop it before the the when the first time someone hits their girlfriend um, if we actually could take care of that and either prevent it from happening or deal with it appropriately when it does happen we could help a lot of people Mm -hmm. and there are also a lot of
1: other ways that have been suggested to how to deal with like reports of mass shootings Um, because shootings do happen more frequently than Um, of course, then we would obviously like to have, but they do happen more frequently, but they are, it's kind of like suicide where you don't want to talk about it um, on the news because then that gives people ideas. Um, And so one of them is one of the new things, not one of the new things, but um, one of the recommended suggestions is to never name the shooter, which in this case is like kind of hard not to, not to do, but when possible to leave the name of the shooter out of it um, because that can in some really twisted way inspire people to like do something horrible, so they get all this bad, horrible. I'm saying horrible a lot. Um, n- notoriety.
0: Yeah, there is a lot there, and these are all things that we've talked about before because um, nothing has changed since the last mass shooting. Um, there, in I mean, just a few months ago, dozens of people were murdered in Las Vegas, and literally nothing happened. And every single time something like this happens, I think maybe this will be the one. And it never is. But in this case, there is something that is different. And it's too early to say if any real change will actually come of it. But um, let's talk about the Parkland teens. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so the teens especially have been making a huge difference in raising awareness for gun control. And they're really into activism, which is great because um, on Tuesday... Actually, many started heading up to Tallahassee to meet with legislators and hold a rally to support gun safety reform. Um, and then they're planning with Women's March Youth and Power to walk out of school on March 14th and a march for our lives on March 24th in Washington. So these kids are making a huge impact, even though they're below 18.
0: Yeah, I feel like I could see the way that this was different almost immediately because so I'm... I spend a lot of time on Twitter, which is not something I'm super proud of, but um in this case in particular, we've had I mean we had Sandy Hook a few years ago and this absolutely horrific killing of children, but they were very young children um who and the survivors couldn't really speak for themselves because they were too young to do so. And then we've had shootings that affect adults um that like obviously still horrible horrible tragedies but there's something that i think in our minds that um just like we're a little little less sympathetic to adults than we are to children because i mean for very good reasons like they're seen as um less able to take care of themselves and more like it's our job we're barely adults but you know it's adults jobs to take care of children and in this case we have the the victims were teenagers people who were 15 16 17 who are still, like, as someone who is very recently this age, absolutely children, um, but are old enough to talk for themselves, who are old enough. They have they have Twitter accounts, and they uh, were speaking out about it immediately. They have – they've seen what's happened to the country in the past few years and are old enough to understand that and to react against it, but they're not old enough to be, like, codified into political systems. The teen uh, – I, I I spend um, every January teaching middle schoolers. And let me tell you, like the kids are all right. (laughs) Oh my God, they're going to save us. These teenagers are not afraid of politicians. They are not afraid to speak up and to scream and to fight for what matters to them. And what matters to them right now is their lives and the lives of the classmates that they have now lost. And so I, this for the first time, you see something sticking and you this the you see that um like the rate at which people are talking about the shooting and talking about gun control measures i mean i realize it's only been a week which is why that's like such a terrible thing that even after a week i'm like wow nothing slowed down yet like of course it shouldn't have slowed down yet but you like you saw after the, la- the last few mass shootings that we've had which is a terrible sentence in itself um that things started to fade out of the national attention very quickly because people got so used to it Mm -hmm. and then seeing this gives me i don't know like a little bit of hope that people are actually listening this time because of who's talking Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and it's as quinn mentioned like we've just been become so desensitized and it's just awful um i think after Sandy Hook, especially, like we've dealt with mass shootings before, um but you know, when you start shooting kids that are under the <laughs> under five feet, like it just it it makes you realize that wow, nothing is off limits um, and we are really living in such a violent a violent time um and I think what is going to make a difference is not only the kids but also the reception of people that these kids look up to so for example like george clooney and his wife donated five hundred thousand dollars um to the to the cause to the march for our lives and so did oprah winfrey um and Stephen. Sh- i was gonna say i was gonna say steven's uh spielberg but that's the german pronunciation <laughs> <laughs> whatever Stephen, <laughs> steve my good director, friend steve <laughs> the movie director um also joined in and so it's really powerful for these kids to see the change that they are capable of making and hopefully that will just propel them forward into keeping up that trend
0: because even our glimmer of hope must have a horrible backlash to it there has been a particularly horrible response to this happening and i like, i don't even want to name specific things because it's just like so lacking in humanity but people um, really have like accused these teenagers of being actors, accused them of being um, immature, of not knowing what they're talking about, of they're not that they don't have any real power, and that someone else is controlling them behind the scenes. And I don't even mean like maybe people have written articles suggesting that um, like a. Adults are actually controlling things behind the scenes and whatever, which I also would be like so disrespectful, but okay. But it's it's just like throwaway comments and stuff, making fun of them and mocking their grief and their tragedy and their determination. And I just like, how despicable as a person do you have to be to, even if you disagree with someone politically to not even grant them the humanity of, 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 Fighting for something after they suffered through a mass shooting.
1: I don't want to point fingers or call out names, but uh, Benjamin Kelly was a. <laughs> Jillian is not afraid to name and shame, so continue. So, um, the Florida State Representative Sean Harrison had the secretary named Benjamin Kelly, and in an email, um, said that called the students actors, and so which is of course alluding to what Quinn said about how we some people just take this tragedy and still find some way to make you know a comment about it maybe in relation to their political agenda but it's just i I, i'm just i can't believe that we there is no humanity left
0: for anyone who is skeptical about um the the power of these young people to be actually organizing this by themselves like maybe they are getting some advisement from um established activists and established organizers whatever but just flat out believing that they can't be doing any of this by themselves is not only disrespectful it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what teenagers are like i just like (laughs) y'all teenagers are just slightly smaller more hormonal more energetic adults like
1: they still have hope for the future
0: yeah they still have hope they've got so much energy Like, I'm only 21 years old, and I can't believe how much energy 16-year-olds have. It just blows my mind. they are so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's unbelievable. I mean, I can't even understand how much energy freshmen have, so that's Freshmen in high school or freshmen in college? Freshmen in college. Oh, God. They're so pure. Oh, they are. So innocent.
1: They come to school, and they're like, I'm going to save the world, and then they leave with a finance job, and you're just like, well. Well, some of us do. (laughs) I got I just got some major side eye.
0: <laughs> but anyway, I very strongly believe in teenagers and and if it seems like things that they're saying are scripted, I, no, they're not. These are very real feelings. Like one of the things, so um so one of these people, um David Hogg had a short speech that went viral in which he talked about the responsibility of congress people and one of the things he said was please take action we're children you guys are the adults which is i will say is a feeling that i have exactly had i'm i mean i'm a little older than him and so it's a little bit different but i i mean over the past few years have felt on multiple occasions this frustration with like I am a college student and I'm young and I just like I mean I just turned 21 and so I sort of came of age at a time when our country hit political turmoil in a way that I hadn't experienced when I was younger and it sort of was this feeling of like what did you guys do and like I'm supposed to be just figuring out my own life and figuring out school and trying to get myself settled so I can be a productive member of society and now I have to worry about all of this because you all couldn't handle it Mm mm-hmm Yeah, there's actually like a
1: scientific study released um, pretty recently that like the new adolescent or the new adult age is 26. Like you're technically an adolescent until you're 26, just because of the way like technology is and like how people are like moving out later and like getting more and more, um, more schooling. So that means they're living at home more to like pay for tuition and things like that. So like then if we're going by those standards, then yeah, being a teenager is basically a toddler.
0: Which is so weird because I think that at the same – like, it's going in reverse is now people – not everyone and not in always, but growing up faster in certain ways because, um, like, these teenagers and us and people our age are seeing what's – everything that's happening and been like, well, in terms of political activism, we have to step up now. And, I mean, that like, obviously youth activism has always been a huge thing, but I think there's – um now it's less, um, now there's this understanding that it's not that the adults are doing things we disagree with, it's that the adults can't do things. um, And there's this fundamental ineptitude in the government. And we're like, well, I guess it's our job now. That
1: was the most glorious sentence I've heard you say, Quinn, the ineptitude of the government. You're welcome. Um, Yes. And to reiterate that point, like, also this idea that these these kids have gone through so much and they recognize that like just because an adult says something's going to be okay doesn't mean it's going to be okay um and i think that's a huge part of maturity and especially like these kids who have been thrown into this horrible scenario um and one of them even said like you telling us that things are going to be fine like trump tweeting that we'll do whatever we can like that's not that doesn't really acknowledge like, the specifics of what you're going to do and how you're going to actually take what we learned from this horrible incident um, and turn it into something productive so that we can f- prevent things from happening like this again.
0: I have more faith in these children than I have in 99% of the government right now. So there's that. Please save us um, and we'll help. We'll do our best. If you want to read more from the words of other teenagers from Parkland and what the activism they've been doing and they've been organizing, there'll be a bunch of links in the show notes for stuff that they're doing and talking about. So in other news,
1: Billy Graham, who was the evangelist pastor from North Carolina, he made a career off of preaching to millions of people, whether it was in person or on the radio or on TV. Um, He just passed away at the age of 99 from Parkinson's.
0: I will admit, first off, that I don't really know a lot about Billy Graham, or and I mean, I had heard of him because he's a very famous figure. Um, is probably the most famous slash popular evangelist figure in the United States, um but that's not really my scene, and so I didn't know a lot wait, about w- him. Wait, what, Quinn? Yeah, You're not an em-
1: <laughs> You're not I'm a- not
0: an evangelist. <laughs> um Fun fact: I'm not a Southern Baptist, which she was. Um, <laughs> so you know but uh but i saw this headline and suddenly it was everywhere and i was like whoa okay so i guess this guy is a big deal and so i've been reading about it um so if i get anything wrong that's just disclaimer um i just started reading about him today but i found him very very interesting and so to talk a little bit about billy graham and also this whole topic of evangelism tele-evangelism weirdness
1: Yeah, and we also want to talk a little bit about the criticism he received um, during his career, but also Quinn and I were reading through this and a lot of his, some of his criticism was that he was very nonpartisan when it came to, like, Christian denominations. Like, he didn't outright say, oh, well, like, Southern Baptist is the best, even though he was, you know, a Baptist. Um, So it's just interesting to see people get sort of angry that he didn't declare, like, one Christianity, like, the right christianity and he was very open to um catholics and catholics and that's that's just not a group that a lot of people are open to
0: well this is a specific tenet um in baptism especially as far as i know um is this belief that in order to enter heaven after death that you must be baptist basically or at least be like protestant christian i guess um and to uh You know, believe in God and believe in Jesus and all these things um but he had what's referred to as like an inclusivity inclusive view of uh the afterlife, and so he believed that you could enter heaven even if you weren't necessarily Protestant or perhaps even Christian at all um which is pretty not usual for someone in his position, um especially with someone as popular as that he was for being an evangelist, so that was kind of a cool thing, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was also,
1: like, pretty close with some famous people. Like, Trump even, well, mm, Trump um, expressed, like, his sorrow about his death. Um, He was also pretty close to Nixon. Um, We can talk a little bit about that. But also, like, MLK Jr. um, spoke very highly of him as well.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting part of his legacy. And so, I mean, he impacted millions of people with his preaching but he was also specifically very close to uh, several u.s presidents um and was a close counselor to them including nixon which is obviously not great and i think with after nixon um he backed a lot away from politics because that didn't end well um and so and he uh didn't want to get dragged down with politicians anymore i guess but he was like a, a close advisor to at least in a formal setting um to a bunch of presidents, which which raises a lot of questions, I think, in terms of the idea of the separation of church and state. Because it wasn't, it's not technically, like, a state religion or imposition um, of a certain religion on anyone. But you do have this, like, extremely religious figure who is counseling the head of a government that is ostensibly a-religious so what is the practicality of what that means?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. Like this concept of separation of church and state. And like Quinn said, how he backed out of politics as he got older, just because it did become uh, very relationships, I feel, became very strange. Like, for example, um, uh, Graham was a registered Democrat Um But he was opposed to JFK, not because JFK was Catholic, but because as a Catholic, he was technically bound to the Pope and uh, Graham did not like that. So it's just and it's also just interesting to see how both parties have sort of uh, sort of made religion or like incorporated aspects of their religion to push some of their political agenda, especially when it comes to the pro-life, pro-birth movement, um, pro-choice movement. All the pros, but many cons.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty good pretty good slogan, I will say. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I mean even after he I mean, even after he tried to step out of the spotlight a bit after everything that went down with Nixon, I mean he still knew presidents all the way up to Obama. Um and it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with being Christian or guided by Christianity and those principles, but it's in weird context. I think with the government of the United States, especially because we are a country that is so entrenched in Christianity in a in an interesting way um, from like, the initial founding fathers to in during the Cold War when we really, like, shoved ourselves into Christianity as, as hard as we could to, you know, be offset from the evil Soviet atheists. And so I feel like this sort of, like, Christian perspective advising of the president um, is seen as, like, a neutral thing, as, like, oh, that's, like, an American value where as if this was... Um, like a muslim then i think that a lot of people would have a problem with it and be like oh no like this is you have to have um barriers between like religion and politics whereas that's not seen as the same issue for christianity
1: mhm yeah it's definitely interesting how america is actually the most if not one of the most religious or most christian um first world countries
0: it's like the highest rate of religion and faith um for a developed country like specifically with christianity yeah denmark
1: denmark is not up there at all
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) one quick note on billy graham um i was reading his wikipedia page and i was like waiting for the other shoe to drop um his son is hot trash just like hot trash but that's not what we're talking about right now there'll be links um Until I got to the Billy Graham rule, which is the same thing Mike Pence does, which is that he's not allowed to be alone with any woman except for his wife, and he also just believed that, like, women were better in the home and this kind of thing. There was some evidence that he softened on this a little bit in his later years, but still, uh... And then, of course, you keep reading, and there's stuff about him being anti-Semitic, and then you hear about all of the ways, like, all of the ways that he was homophobic, And you're like, oh, exciting. Interestingly, a lot of this stuff is glossed over slash not included on his Wikipedia page, which is telling. I have a lot of thoughts about how Wikipedia is edited also, but I'm not going to get into that.
1: And this just like, I don't know, has me thinking a lot about different concepts and different religions, especially in my atheism class, which I am taking this semester, um, it's very interesting to say the least. So the class meets only once a week on Wednesdays. And last time I met, it was my birthday slash Ash Wednesday. And so I was the only one in the class that had ashes on her forehead because not many Catholics voluntarily take an atheism class, I guess. Um, and so the the professor totally called me out on it, not in like a bad way, but kind of like a, oh, did you know that Ash Wednesdays? and valentine's day this is like the first time it's fallen on the same day in like 78 years and i was like yep thank you so now everyone who in the class knows my religion which is fine but
0: um (laughs) i was gonna say isn't that kind of the point of the ashes (laughs) fair um but i think
1: that some of the the concepts in atheism i found like very interesting and i don't hate it as much as i thought I would and it's even more more ironic that one of the better philosophers that we've read I think in my opinion is um Karl Marx you know the author of the communist manifesto but of course this is again in comparison to Feuerbach and Hegel and I do not like either of those
0: yeah I haven't read Feuerbach or Hegel so I do not know I have read Marx because I'm a sociology student and so we read Marx um he's one of the big three if you're curious the other two are Weber and Durkheim although no one cares about this um so it is just objectively funny that you think marx is your best philosopher so far because of all the communism and stuff i actually i have this frustration with marx um which is a frustration i have with a lot of the people that we read ever which is just this idea that all philosophers okay a lot of philosophers throughout history have this idea that like they are the chosen one um like since plato everyone's like oh You all are unable to govern yourselves, or you are just sheeple, and you have been stomped on by the man, or whatever their thing is. But I am the one. I am the one who has seen the light, who is immune to this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, Oh, crap. I had a really funny thing to say. Couldn't have been that funny then, if I forgot it. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, and it's just, especially reading Karl Marx, so when we're going through a lot of his writings, we have to, like, annotate. Um, and I was going through my notes the other day, and someone was like, are those your annotations? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, Jillian, you literally just highlighted stuff and wrote communist next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was
0: like, yes, and <laughs> you probably weren't wrong. <laughs> the Communist Manifesto was an interesting read, I will say. Like, he was a, There was a reason that communism was so popular and is so popular in the world like Karl marx is a brilliant writer and um his philosophies make a lot of sense um if you like read his original writing i mean obviously i haven't read it in the original german because who am i uh have you read it in the original german (laughs) my um teaching assistant keeps
1: trying to get me to read it in the original german but i was like "Mm, hard pass
0: yeah, so obviously it's a bit convoluted because it's translated and also um, it's an old white philosopher, and so it's convoluted. <laughs>
1: yeah, he makes some pretty anti-Semitic comments.
0: Yay, I love it. Anyway, Marx's digression aside, um, I don't know why this turned into me endorsing the Communist Manifesto. I'm not saying I agree with it. I have strong issues, but I'm just saying it's a good piece of writing. It's a very interesting philosophy. Anyway. You know what's
1: a great piece of writing?
0: Are you about the wealth to s- of nations, by adam, wealth <laughs> of nations.
1: <laughs> by adam
0: smith that invisible hand though i can make so many sexual innuendos right now but i will not for anyone who does not know the wealth of nations is what is to capitalism as the communist manifesto is to communism so there you go read both and then read something written by a woman for the love of god <laughs> One of the defining characteristics of my personality in the past couple months has been how much I love the Stranger Things kids. I'm not alone, but um, I love them so much. And then I watched Stranger Things season one, like way after everyone else did. And then when I watched Stranger Things season two, like every single time Eleven appeared on screen, I was like my sweet summer (laughs) child, my precious baby who I must protect. (laughs) She could kill me, but um, with her mind, that's kind of the whole thing. But I feel this deep need to protect her anyway so millie bobby brown is the actress who plays 11 um and she's great and she just turned 14 today as we're recording this which is very exciting happy birthday um she's the most stylish person i've ever seen and it's infuriating because when i was 13 i looked like a potato but that's fine but- i wore crocs voluntarily oh my god me too <laughs> did you have the furry ones because i wore the furry ones i didn't have the furry ones but i did have those um like little decorative pieces that you could put in the holes oh, of the cross
1: yeah yeah those are nice
0: yeah it was barely stylish um anyway we need to back away from that pretty quickly but getting to the point um so this is just an excuse to talk about this but millie bobby brown i just learned is dating jacob sartorius who's like this other child's person. they are infants they are fetuses yeah i think it, so he's 15 and she just turned 14 and so that's like 15 to 13 is, like, a little bit of a weird age difference, I'm gonna say, but he just turned 15 a couple months ago, so I guess it's not, like, that bad. I don't know. I think it's kind of weird. But, um, yeah, he's, like, another, like, child celebrity, and they're dating, and they're, like, in love, I guess. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And I just am fascinated by this. First of all, I think Millie Bobby Brown should, like, marry a prince or something, because she's the coolest person in the world. But I digress. I'm glad that they are cute and happy. Wait, read the, um...
1: The thing that he posted for her birthday. I don't want to. Yeah, I, I read it. And it was just like this very emotional, like, I love you and miss you so much. And like, happy 14. Can't wait to see you soon. I'm like, my dude, you need to chill. I need you to take it 20 notches down and then another 50.
0: It sounds like we're being rude to children, but we're this rude about everyone's relationship. <laughs> no, I'm being rude specifically about children.
1: Okay. Kidding, kidding, kidding. I am still but a child.
0: But beyond their specific thing, which is mostly just an excuse for me to talk about Stranger Things for a second, I did want to ask you, one, how young were you when you started dating? And two, how young would you let your hypothetical feature children date?
1: hmm So, let's see. Um, I was in seventh grade when I had my first boyfriend, Brandon. We held hands when we were waiting on the milk line together. Yeah, and then he texted me saying that he loved me on Easter, and I said that I think we should just be friends, and that's how our three week romance ended. What
0: a heartbreaker! Yeah, you know it. Um, <laughs> did you continue dating after this, or was this like a just like a one time seventh grade experience? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I dated a little in high school, but
0: yeah, I don't mean did you never oh, date again, I just oh, well- meant like because sometimes people. Like, have, like, a couple-week relationship in seventh grade, but then they don't date again until they're, like, 16 and it's a real relationship?
1: Oh, yeah, no. I never spoke to this child again. Okay, cool. When would I let my hypothetical offspring date? Mm, I guess I can't say never, right? That's a little harsh. It's a little harsh. Um... I mean I guess I would have to define like what is dating. Like are they going to the movies and like a group date and then calling each other boyfriend, girlfriend? Like that's fine. Um, do I want him like do I want some random person picking her up when she's like thirteen to like go to the mall? Uh no, I don't because I know what I did on those car rides to the mall, okay?
0: One, I really like how you assumed you have a daughter because same <laughs>
1: But what about you, Quinn? When did you first have your relationship uh, awakening? And how old would you let your
0: hypothetical daughter date? So I started dating when I was 14. I had a relationship. I was almost, I was like one month away from turning 15. Um, And we dated for five months. And he was my first kiss. It was lit. Um, (laughs) We were children. And then I, I actually had like a serious relationship when I was 15 to 16. Um... So, like, a few months after me and the first guy broke up, I dated someone after that for, like, a year and a half. Um, And it was actually, like, a pretty serious high school relationship. So, I don't... I didn't do this on purpose, but I guess I'm kind of a serial monogamist. I don't... She is a serial monogamist. See, I don't think of my... Like, I don't... Whenever I'm not in a relationship, like, I don't feel the need to be in a relationship. I'm not, like, trying to get into relationships, but it just happens.
1: Quinn's just one of those people where she's, like... She'll, like... I'm obviously, like, hyperbolizing here, but she'll, like, get out of a relationship and she'll be like, yeah, like, I'm fine, like, I'm just gonna, like, enjoy being single, and then, like, two weeks later, she's just
0: like, oh, I have a boyfriend. Okay. (laughs) Accurate? No, I had a... I was single for a whole semester. (laughs) Okay, a semester in college is, like, ten weeks. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) I don't know when I would let my kids date. So, my little sister is a freshman in college, and she's never dated anyone, and like I think she did it the right way honestly she it's because she's never really like been interested in anyone because we come from a very like when I my high school boyfriend lived three hours away from me because we're from a very small town and like there just wasn't like a viable option there were slim pickings (laughs) slim pickings and so she was like nah and I was like this is the way to do it you figured it out um
1: you hold the key to success, young one.
0: Yeah, and it's called not dating. <laughs> so in, the, in a perfect world, my children would just not want to date anyone until college. I don't know, maybe 15-ish. Like, I would guess I was 15 when I started really dating, and that seemed okay. Actually, now that I think of it, it wasn't okay. Let's say 16. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't think I had my first, like, serious, like, actual boyfriend until...
0: was june 2012 i was 16 yes 16 man 2012 was a year oh it was lit i also just think it's funny because so i didn't realize i was bi until i was like into college and then and i'm like in a long-term relationship with a dude so i haven't dated a lot of girls but like me as a parent (laughs) i feel like i would peer pressure my children into like dating people of multiple genders (laughs) not like i don't want to force anyone to do anything they're not comfortable with but i would just be the person who was like are you interested in dating a girl honey like just feel free to do whatever you want like explore while you can that's very supportive but like also i I don't know i don't know peer pressure is not the right word i would not peer pressure my children to date anyone at any time but I'm just saying I would be very – like, I feel like a lot of accepting parents are, like, it's totally okay if you want to date someone of the same gender, and which is just, list, like, really, really amazing. And it's not something that all people have now. um. So it's, like, amazing that that happens. But I would, like, be so far on the other – like, just push down the spectrum, and I would actively be, like, date girls. <laughs> it was so funny because um... – There was like a
1: sleepover rule, obviously, like I wasn't allowed to have guys sleepover because, you know, well, (laughs) so I asked my mom, like, I know I can't have guys sleepover, but like, if I was a lesbian, could I have girls sleepover? And my mom was like, uh, yes. And I was like, well, but that's the thing. Like, couldn't I have guys sleepover? Shouldn't I have guys sleepover instead? Because like, it's different. And she was just like, I I I just wouldn't let you have sleepovers. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I literally do not know what my mom would have done if I had come out in high school. She would have just been like, "Uh," because this was the thing that she was talking about. Um, so when my mom was growing up, she had an older brother, and they would have a bunch of friends over, and like everyone would just stay the night, and it was it was pretty simple. It was like guys would stay on one floor, and the girls would stay on the other floor, and like everyone was chill. And then she was like, "I don't know what we would do now," because everyone like people were so out there with sexualities and like some people like girls and some people like guys and some people like everyone and they were like i think everyone just has to have their own room like (laughs) locked door no one can be in the same room as anyone because who knows
1: (laughs) just have like a a bunch of just (laughs) singles in the backyard just you know sheds
0: many sheds everyone has their own pod (laughs) anyway children dating is a very weird topic and see as a At the time, I was like, I'm so mature, and now I'm like, I was a child. So I don't know how I feel about it, but I don't really have to deal with this for like 20 years, so I'm going to not think about it. Retweet. And that is going to be all from us today. If you want to find us online, you can see our show notes at relay.fm slash mixed feelings. There's also a contact form if you want to send us an email. You can follow us on Twitter at mixed feelings FM, and you can follow me on Twitter at aspiring robot FM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore
1: Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn. Thank you for talking with me. Always a pleasure. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings.